Welcome to Thinky Comet, a collection of nuanced conversations about the Black experience. I'm your host, Mia Marie. On this podcast, we explore topics that empower, educate, and illustrate the necessity for honest conversations about being Black, all with the aim of reaching personal liberation and challenging systems of oppression. The primary objective of the Inky Comet is to offer nuanced perspectives about Blackness that are often missing from mainstream conversations. Without nuance, our understanding of what it means to be Black is limited, as well as our ability to build a sense of unity and power amongst Black people. In this episode, Michelle and I discuss how we can create space and build empathy for other Black folks whose experiences are different than ours, as a means to strengthen our coalitions and achieve collective liberation. Please enjoy why nuance within the Black experience is important. I'm really excited to be having this conversation today about creating space for nuance within the African-American community with Michelle, whom I went to college with, and who we've recently, I would say, I think we've always been soul sisters via social media, but more recently, the past few months, have reconnected. So Michelle, before we get started, wanted to give you a chance to introduce yourself. Hey, everyone. First of all, I want to thank you, Mia, for allowing me to enter the space, the inky comments. But um, my name is Michelle. As Mia mentioned, we did enter college together. However, I stuck around a couple more years, just two more, or actually four more semesters to get my master's in psychology at Loyola. But since then, I have just been the data project director nerd out here in these Chicago social science research streets. I have such high enthusiasm for bringing not only research in the community aspect, right, as far as community psychology, but I'm also interested in just conversations and wondering what really is on the minds of folks who are otherwise experiencing being targeted by oppression or um, confronting their experience of being oppressed and taking that head on. Um, I'm just always interested in centering, you know, our experiences, point blank period. And that really shows up for (laughs) me in the personal, (laughs) right, the personal, the political, the professional. You know, these are all things that, um, you know, it's not really about who I am and like what I do, but it's more of like the work, right, of being that person of who brings this interconnectedness through these different channels you know, both research and interpersonally. So thank you, Mia, for having me on here. Of course, of course. Thank you. That was such a great introduction, Michelle. And I think ties so nicely with our topic today in terms of this idea of creating um, nuance within our experiences, Blacks and African Americans. And even more than that, to your point, on the Inky Comet, we do center the experience of Black people and Blackness. So we center Black and we are unapologetically Black. And this is unapologetically Mm -hmm. a space for Black people to explore their concept of Blackness because as we all know, we are, we, we, I say, I would think more than Most other communities are often discouraged or most often reluctant, nervous about creating space that's just for us. This is unapologetically Black, y'all. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) Let me just establish that real quick. What we doing? This is for us. This is for my people. Okay. Um, Right. Because that that really is how we met, though, is through, you know, we met through African Student Alliance 
So we met Black, we stayed Black, we are Black, we're here Black. Thank you. <laughs> so shifting gears a little bit um, to our topic for today, something that I have wanted to do for quite some time, but haven't really known how I wanted or ha- didn't really quite know how I wanted to frame it, was really establishing what the purpose of the Inky Comet is. I wanted to dedicate this episode to really exploring one of, I would say, the central and primary objectives of the Inky Comet, and as I mentioned already, is to offer a nuanced perspective to existing conversations about Black people and Blackness. Often when we are looking or engaging in public discourse about Black people and our experiences, whether it's on social media, at work, amongst our friends, it's often in reaction to our experience with white people or the behavior or some consequence of what they've done to us, right? And part of what I think... Mm. Where we, where we need to step into our power as Black people is centering ourselves and having a conversation about ourselves absent of whiteness, right? Like absent of racism, absent of, and perhaps it's not completely absent of those things, but at the very least, it is centering us and it's coming from our perspective first and not what should we do in reaction to what their behavior is. I agree. And there are... Um, there's a lot to unpack with having our experiences being decentered when these conversations come up, you know, because our history isn't necessarily like what happens to us and what types of targeted oppressive tactics out in the world are targeted and affect us, but rather the centering of our lived experiences will make it so that, you know, we are not having to basically fight for the crumbs of liberation when it comes yes. through having to filter it, you yes. know, filter it through a certain lens, yes. you know? So, yeah. And to think about liberation right. outside of something that beyond what can be given to us or decided by other people, because unfortunately a lot of what we are talking about in public, just like what we experience in the oppressions, you know, microaggressions that we experience on a day-to-day basis. Unfortunately, mm. a lot of it does rely on the actions of other people. However, I am of the mind that there is still liberation and joy that is within our fingertips if we center ourselves. And I think that 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 separate liberation comes from the centering of self. And I think to take it another step is that we are our experience as black people is not a monolith. There are so many experiences, Mm. spectrums, the intersection of identity is so real and it does color even our experience within black people. And for us to reach our collective liberation, it is really important for us to understand the complexities within our community and also understand and also accept, you know, that some folks' experiences may not be ours and have the empathy and the stamina to have these conversations without shutting down and replicating these these same systems of oppression that we see outside of our community within our community. Oh, that's right. right? Okay. Like, the model. No, that's true. I'm like, here I am, the ad libs. I know it, it truly is the soundtrack to our lives right now as we go. <laughs> but I can't do that dance though I can't do the dance I love it but I'm oh like, my gosh yo some of these dances make me look so silly and I feel like I'm a good dancer but sometimes when I try them I'm like I don't I feel so silly what is this I need to get over no, the dance, dance. <laughs> I know. I'm going to just leave that for the kids, okay? They look great. They look great doing this, but oh my gosh. I'm definitely here for that as far as the centering of our experiences and 
the understanding of what happens when we take our experiences and kind of oversimplify them, overgeneralize them, and then end up speaking in, you know, well, monolithic terms, you know, because I think for, well, I can't speak, right, for um, non-Black people of color or white allies or anything like that looking from outside in, but as far as how we define ourselves, it definitely does have an effect culturally, inter- culturally and intra-culturally, meaning like within culture and between cultures, you know, we're seeing really interesting effects. So it's ours to reclaim, you know, simply stated by having these nuanced conversations. You know, I feel like we really do end up in essence functionally reclaiming our blackness. You know, I, I can speak from experience as far as being a Ghanaian American. I was born in Chicago, but my parents are from Accra, Ghana. And it's one of those things where when I do enter social justice spaces or types of like service work oriented spaces or liberation oriented spaces with other black people, it's really interesting to come in with a certain cultural background, but this is on your an umbrella, you know, an overarching theme, I guess, of blackness. Um, because, you know, we feel black, you know, this is, this is a categorization yes, yes. that I think that would fit well for, yes, amen, no, it's, for that's people who are example. Caribbean, like yes. Afro-Caribbean or like Afro-Colombian or Afro-Cuban. And then there's like Ghanaian American or Nigerian American or, you know, like there are so many people who identify as black. And I, I Across the diaspora. am absolutely co-signing <laughs> what you said with Yeah, it's complex. You know, our experiences are complex. You know, having the word immigration or undocumented floating across your desk as a Black person can vary between person to person. Or Or even that acknowledgement um, that there are Black folks, because even when you really think about it, when you think about the larger narrative about immigrants to America, we often think about like the southern border and we often think about folks coming in from Latin America and Hispanic Latinx descent. But there, you know, especially when we think about a lot of the discriminatory practices and the folks right now that are being deported, Mm. a lot of these people are black. They're they're Haitian. They're black people. And when we don't understand, even to your point, when we're thinking about how being from a different part of the diaspora impacts, you know, your story within the U.S., if we don't know, if we're not thinking that, hey, there are black immigrants, then we're not there to help advocate, fight on your behalf even. So even, again, I think especially for that collective liberation piece, you know, if we're not coming to the defense of black trans women and we're not acknowledging that black trans women are being targeted or um, are being murdered at a rate that's higher than other people, whether that's by our community right. or externally, regardless, we need to address and acknowledge that this is happening because it is, it is, it is important to the overall well-being of black people. But I didn't mean to I cut you off there, but, but it's, but it's, but it's real no, though, it's in terms real. of the experience folks across the diaspora, whether you were like a descendant of slavery or you move here later. And I think that oftentimes we can be judgmental or critical of each other because we don't understand our own narratives, but there is power within our own narratives. And there's even more power in our collective union because externally people still see us as, as, as black. There's a whole, and, yes. and I talked about this on an earlier episode, but in terms of, you know, the diaspora um you know you're black you're black <laughs> that's how i see it <laughs> i mean there is definitely in personal things, but the, to the external world you're oh black. My they're God. not gonna see you like oh you west african you're from jamaica no honey you're black <laughs> right again right this is a diaspora wide 
identifier. And I think that in having that empathy and understanding of how it essentially operates for many, many different Black folks across the globe and trying to, you know, once again, I am once again asking you to build the stamina and capacity to have these conversations. No, but it's absolutely true as far as, you know, taking that into account and factoring that in will offer a lot of insight into how we can collectively build community. And it doesn't have to be limited to geographic location, too. That's the other thing. Like, we tend to define and categorize and understand our world in our terms, you know, because we each have our own. Here I am going to social psych theory. Oh, my God. Um, but, you know, we have we have schemas, you know, we have norms. Girl, we have, you better you know, drop that knowledge. Of- Hold up. Let me stop you. Don't don't add the qualifier. You better flex your uh, your skills, your expertise, girl. We know what schema means. You better define it for okay. the people. <laughs> okay. I absolutely will. Okay, everybody. I'm more than happy to, by the way. But um, no, we live in a, in a complex world. And I, and I definitely appreciate the nuance of this conversation as far as acknowledging that, because we are so cognitively busy that we have to, um, you know, categorize or we have to make note of, or sometimes we even have to stereotype, wah, 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 you know, as far as like using those mental shortcuts, right? to be able to take in information, process information, and then make that judgment decision or action, you know, based off of what you just cognitively process, right? So in the when we're taking blackness into account, you know, it's important to see, well, don't forget where you're from, y'all. Basically, like, yes, we've been brought into the world and understanding blackness through a certain lens on the individual level, but um a part of a part of my work is to look at both the individual and the group level and the collective level and the community level. So as far as seeing that translate out into like our interpersonal relationships, right? As far as it relating to blackness, seeing our friends, our families, our peers, our community and understanding and living in that, I think it really will take us steps ahead in terms of our collective liberation if we understand that Blackness is something that it's not bigger than ourselves, but I mean, I don't know. It's just as far as taking other people's experiences and not necessarily co-opting them as your own, right? I mean, I want, I would like to put that warning label on folks who would like to understand blackness or black folks who would like to understand blackness more specifically. Um, but that nuance, that complexity of different experiences that aren't your own. Um, and taking those different lenses really helps to break and chip away at that schema, that concrete way of looking at the world. You know, it really is, I think, functionally, liberation is the empathy to imagine differently for others. And for yourself. I mean, I, I, and, you know, that, that part, I think that probably part, primarily yeah, for yourself, true. because I think it's also like getting to your point about the schemas and stereotypes. I think it's also understanding and thinking about we're using colorism, for example, as black people within the within the spectrum of the of blackness or this, you know, this community of blackness based on these larger oppressive systems. We have different positions within that system that depending on how we use our personal agency, our power enable systems that oppress other black people 
And I think colorism is a good example of that, right? Like if lighter skin black people are perpetuating ideas that lighter skinned black people are safer, more approachable, um, you know, be more pretty, just all of the things that, you know, we associate yeah. with, with whiteness. If they feed into those ideas, if they take the roles, if they're the only types of public leaders that we are electing, then, and they're not using their agency, their power to bring light to like how we're ex- treating our black brethren and, sis- and sisters, like that's what mm. we need. It's that type of awareness within, within ourselves as when it becomes like black men and black women, um, as it relates to sexuality and trans, right? That's, that is for me the type of empathy in our own understanding of what is first the self-awareness of how am I in this world and unpacking all of the intersections of our identities and really thinking intentionally about are my actions supporting or the supporting the liberation of my other black folks or is it taking mm-hmm. away? Is it like, you know, is it an extension of um, the hand of the oppressor? And so I, I just think that, that that for me is also really in thinking about these stereotypes and these schemas um, what our role is as Black people and unpacking that. That makes absolute sense because it truly boils down to the power sharing of it all is what I'm yes. starting to realize is that, you know, I think power, privilege, and oppression are presented in very oversimplified ways, if you will. Like, we don't really have a very good, I mean, some of us have a great public grasp on what those things mean and how they operate interconnectedly. But I think among folks who are marginalized, um, I think that you bring up a good point as far as the, using that colorism example is beautiful. Um, I mean, not in terms of subject, but <laughs> yeah. in terms of application. Yeah. We're definitely seeing how an extension of power privilege and oppressive behavior is through the hand of colorism, which I think is moving the goalposts as far as desirability that fits under this umbrella of white supremacy, or at least, um, you know, I, I guess that's what we can call it. Yeah. White supremacy. Um, okay. But no, that, that reinforcement of understanding one's role in the maintenance of power, right? Why does your, or either you're attenuating to these systems or you're like breaking them down, right? Yes. You Black people you included. have to realize your role in that. <laughs> yes, and I think sometimes you know? we feel like, I think sometimes as Black folks, and maybe it's a generational thing or perhaps it's also just a people and human thing and we're often just self-centered and focused and on our immediate lives. But I think sometimes we ourselves aren't as aware or cognizant and thoughtful about how our individual actions are also aiding in our liberation and oppression as Black people. It's important for us to think about how we can really embody this, like creating space for nuance and building like empathy um, in public spaces. And I feel like the first place opportunity that comes up for me is social media. And there are oftentimes like, sometimes I can get, I'm a little hurt and I feel some type of way about how Black people are talking to each other about issues of oppression and just experiences on social media. Yeah, hard. I'm glad I'm not the only one. No, you're not the only one. And sometimes it just, it, not sometimes, it always just bothers me how callous we can be towards each other and just dismissive of you, of each other's 
experiences in protection of ourselves, right? I see this in conversation as it relates, it comes up between black men and black women, as it comes up around colorism, you know, we immediately, we attack mm-hmm. the darker skin person, like, how dare you? What do you mean? You're being mean. You're being da, 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 da. And it's like, right. you don't even in that <laughs> moment of just like jumping on that person, you don't even take a pause to reflect like, this is my, this is, this is my kin. For me, it's black first. It's always black first. Like, my identity as a woman is very right. important, but my I am of the mind, and I realize that my experience as a black woman is very unique, and the intersection of those two identities in particular, for me, have the most, the greatest impact, um, I think, on how people perceive me and my experience with other people and in the world. And so I, as a person, it is important for me to share, to be caring towards other black people, because I understand firsthand this world is tough and hard. Let's not be tough and hard on each other, right? Like, let's understand, Mm -hmm. like, let's take a pause and be like, hey, bro, hey, sis, hey, you. You, I'm honoring your experience. Uh, perhaps I don't initially understand, but I'm honoring that I trust that it is real and I want to learn more so I can like be more and better mm. for you, right? Like that is the energy that I we need that. to do for each other. And so often in these same arguments or conversations between black people, I see us coming to the defense of other people in ways that we don't for each other. <laughs> You know, oh, you know, no, you have not lied one single moment because the minute that you started talking about that disconnect, like that dissonance between, you know, mission value statements, you know, action versus words, right? Your actions versus your words. I started thinking about the protect black women, you know, or like listen to black women or love black women, you know, as a collective. Right. We totally 100% co-sign this, you know, black women, we are the blueprint. You know what I mean? We are the faith. We are the movement. We are the femmes to not be messed with, you know, as far as messaging overall collective understanding. Right. But uh, see, and then I said, but with a capital C, honey, because I am (laughs) underscore, we going to bold it, italicize it, underline it. At this store, I came (laughs) because of the power dynamic. You know, it's very hard as a black woman to be, and to circle it back to social media, right? Just posting stories about, you know, protect black women, listen to black women, and love black women as a black woman, and then be torn down. You know, the experience of being torn down or dismissed or being labeled as a complainer by folks within our community, it'd be your own. And that's not fair. You know, I truly feel like in you know, looking at this goal of liberation on the horizon, why did dismissing some or any, really, or every, really, Black woman, and that says protect Black women, you know, as, as somebody who experiences that oppression and that has and has that lived experience, you know, why is it the first impulse to argue? You know, I, I want to, I'm thinking directly to our own like this. Why is it is that the first a jump to the defense. You know, move like, is to argue. Because and that's you know? because it calls into question your behavior, especially as it relates to black women. Right. It calls into question your behavior as an individual black person. Which also like so right. there's this piece of yo, as the receiver or as a person that perhaps did some harm or is perpetuating these negative stereotypes, like stereotypes, whatever the case may be, or just like, you know, you mm-hmm. power dynamics, negative power dynamics in our community, then you know, own your right. power in that space and 
there's no shame in it, right? And that's sometimes, I mean, what I feel like why people respond the way that they do is that our identities are our identities. They are what they are. And we were born into this system. And for me, especially as it relates to like black people, we can't, I feel like even in my messaging towards black men, even though sometimes I often don't understand what's happening or other things within our community that I just don't understand, like people that are so homophobic and all the things, even though I don't understand it, for me, it's important that even in my messaging and how I'm trying to get towards them, even though I don't understand, how can I also understand, extend this in grace and root my messaging and how we communicate in a way that is reflective of of our culture and is not using the language outside of of our culture to talk within our culture, right? Like, I don't know if that makes sense, but Because I have the grace and understanding of under, like I grew up, I grew up in a home with my dad and my brother. I understand the experience and my grandfather. I understand of how the experience firsthand Mm -hmm. of seeing how hard it was to be black men for them on a daily basis. And still, there's some shit that I feel like sometimes it did that was fucked up towards black women. And I can hold both of those experiences in (laughs) in the same hand, right? And it's also like, how can I then use that to inform how I communicate with each other? And that's the thing for two for me too. It's like. How can we also understand, how can we use our understanding, our little there is, there is so far of each other's experiences to help us com- uh, inform how we communicate with each other? Because communicating and trying to un- educate a black person or a black or older black woman who's grew up in the church about LGBTQ issues, for me, that approach should be very, very mm. different than how you would someone outside of our community. And that's just how I see it. Right. Like a colleague at your yes. lecture or just, hall, Not you even know, just yeah. a colleague, but how you would talk to your white friend. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, in terms of, like, what is no, being acknowledged right. of the no, culture dynamics, right? There are just cultural dynamics. I think there's grace and empathy that should be informed. Inform oh, my God. That. There's, like, because this veil the, of innocence. There's a veil of innocence that we always approach. And I mean, I'm not, I'm not trying to hurt nobody's feelings, but I mean, there, we definitely approach with care when it comes to extra communal members of the movement, you know? Girl, don't we, we, we bold on this? We we talk with care, but we, we talk with non-black people. Say it like it is. We bold, okay? Unapologetically, no, we coddle them. We coddle them. We capital C. We yes. coddle. We coddle them. But that's we out of protection and, and safety. You want that's out of you? protection, right? That's out of protection because we we can't be honest. Yeah. Or we can't we can't respond with the full emotions or with you know the full extent of our emotions because we're afraid. Yo, you're gonna get us fired, etc. Whereas within our right. community maybe we don't feel like there's that power dynamic and then we turn crazy and even in my even in my stuff am I like am, am how I'm describing my experience with black men am I doing it in a way that is productive or is perpetuating negativity or reflection of my unaired out emotions right that's what I mean in terms of like right doing and unpacking the work yourself so that you can show up in empathy and grace with other black people instead of it being like you know you're at work all day like instead of us projecting the the anger and emotions that we often probably feel towards non-black people to each other because we're Mm. like oh y'all got it you got it but it's like no we don't got it and these are the people that you need to be protecting the most because again the more we can understand our collective complexity of our experiences the closer we are to liberation Mm, i really appreciate the nuance behind that because that's really i think an organizing strategy that's worth um 
you know, doing and enthusiastically highlighting within all of these spaces within, or I guess between black folks, you know, black, we definitely, (laughs) sorry, right. We black and we shouldn't be, you know, we should be affording that sense of energy or that sense of energy, that sense of safety, urgency, and keep that same energy that we do in educating our white friends, holding our white friends' hands, letting them know panel by panel, story by story, pixel by pixel, what it is and the legacy of violence. No, let's keep that energy for the legacy of our ancestors who were kept from this information or couldn't be presented this information had it not been for you who has not only, I mean, the presentation skills, but in addition, just the lived experiences of having some melanin to be able to inform what's going on. I think it's very I think that, I mean, the way that you brought it up, I was about to say, I think it's weird that, but it is. I mean, the way how we switch, you know, this code switching, I guess, functionally, right, between talking about issues of, you know, power dynamics, domestic violence, you know, you brought up the LGBTQIA um, um, identifier and how it alarms or, you know, quells the anxieties, of, depending on who you talk to, you know, various Black folks in the community, and ultimately, you know, I think that there, it's not that black folks can't be reasoned with, but I think within our community, we see someone present or endorse a certain thing. And like you said, we're like, oh, they got it. They already landed the plane. You know, they're already in their mind. They can't be changed. They can't be moved. But then we'll spend, you know, like <laughs> six to eight hours a night updating our stories about like where to donate right now for or how to intervene with or things to know about xyz black trauma and it's like i think we should keep that energy for and among ourselves yes when i reflect sometimes about where i put my energy some to your point i've often put my energy in terms of like educating other people and not even being rooted deeper in my own in my own histories you know what i mean and the greatness of our own culture and where we come from right so that like i have a fuller understanding of why when i say i'm magic i mean it (laughs) like i already do mean it but you know what i mean (laughs) i do i already do think i come from a magical people and i would be black every time i would be born you know like if given the choice but it's it's important that i still again Understand that my experience as Nia, as a descendant of encaptured and enslaved people, is different than you as someone who stayed on the motherland and, like, experienced experienced the colonizers in a very different way. Ultimately, y'all, black people, we need empathy and grace for each other and understanding that our experiences are different and trying to educate black people first because ultimately our collective liberation is tied to our individual liberation and joy. So that's how I'm, that's how I'm feeling. Anything else you'd like to add, Michelle? (laughs) I don't have anything else to add except for my co-sign for the empathy (laughs) and grace factor. I think it's time, like you said, times of being black is already hard enough. Don't make it hard. I think that we would truly be building legacy and community and actually doing our ancestors a service, you know, by doing the work of having empathy and grace and extending that toward each other. Because we all we got. Exactly. We all we got. Black first. Holla. (laughs) Thank you for listening to the Inky Comet. If you are enjoying the podcast, 
Subscribe and follow us on Instagram and Twitter at The Inky Comet to continue the conversation. Also, be sure to check out The Inky Comet soundtrack on Spotify. Until next time, be encouraged.